This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. On today's episode of After the Snap, we are covering some recent news in the NFL world, including the recent purchase of the Denver Broncos for $4.65 billion. We will also be covering some recent updates out of our own NFL training camps. Lastly, we will be discussing the most electric video you will see on the internet this week from the New York Mets. It is time for After the Snap. Let's go. Every snap is an interview. After the snap. What a snap. Hey, keep your mouth shut, 50! I lead by example. With Blake and Reed Ferguson discussing life in, out, and after football. To be able to leave walking away with a degree and a championship, uh, it couldn't be any better. Yeah! Well, you can take this boy out the real sound, thought about you can't take the real sound out of my voice. And now here we go again, twist a little bit of teeth because I got thick skin. Reed, I think we need to jump right into what I just previewed at the end of that little intro, and that is the single most electric, I don't know that that's an accurate statement, single most electric uh, video that I've seen all week, and quite possibly a top three walkout song in baseball history. I'm going to have to definitely agree with you there. It is eerily similar to the Joey Burrow video from senior night in Tiger Stadium where they filmed him coming out yeah. uh, behind his jersey. And he had the Burrow on there uh, with the EAUX. Even though there wasn't music, there was 105,000 people yeah. going absolutely bonkers for him. Obviously, that was the season – you know, when the national championship let, you know, ton of success, but that's the only thing I think that rivals the Edwin Diaz entrance video. I'm, I'm a sucker for baseball content. I know you are too. It's all time. And that yeah. as much as it pains me to say that as a Yankees fan, it's, it's all time. It's a great video. I was thinking over the last few days since the viral video went out of that was like following him from the bullpen out into the outfield and, you know, onto the field. I was thinking of the, the, like my favorite walkout songs, favorite walk up songs from, you know, batters over the years. Chipper Jones had the Ozzy Osbourne crazy train. That was like yep. song of our childhood going to Braves games. Like you can, it still like rings in my ears sometimes. What is your favorite walkout song, walk up song that you've seen from a professional baseball player? Like what can even come close to Edwin Diaz's trumpets? I mean, I think the only thing that rivals it is a few miles down the road. Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera, Inner Sandman, Metallica. Has to be. That, Has that to be. was, that's, that was the conclusion. first iconic closer entrance song yeah. 
And I mean, it's just it's same thing with Edwin. I mean, Edwin Diaz is killing it this year. The Mets in general are killing it this year. When you hear that song and you see the closer running in from the bullpen and it's the ninth inning and all you hear is the home crowd just going absolutely bananas and everybody's blowing the trumpets yep. and the music's blaring and here comes do, 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 yeah. do, do. here comes Edwin Diaz and you're just like, man, I just want to get on base. I I watched a clip from Pat McAfee talking about it today and it, he had just come across this guy. You and I have been have been seeing videos and some, you know, some chatter about this just in the baseball circles for over a month now. You know, this is not a brand new walkout song. Like we, you and right, I have seen right, this. Right. Yes. Yeah. The world is, is it, after the video went viral, the world is starting to yep. sort of see everything that you and I have been seeing for a little while now. But he was talking about how when Edwin comes out of the, out of the dugout, he like does this thing with his shoulders and he like makes himself bigger than he is. And he like fills out that uniform and just is like even more intimidating than that song already is. It's awesome. Like it's the whole thing is choreographed. It is timed. He is like touching the outfield as, as soon as the, like he goes from warning track to, outfield grass as the trumpets start like it is it is all time to perfection it's no secret why it's it's become the spectacle that it's become people are flocking not only because the Mets are doing super well this this year but because they want to see Edwin Diaz come in and finish the last three and last three outs of the game his entrance is I mean it'd be worth the price of admission to some people yeah I, I so. think so. I think, I mean, if I'm, if I'm, in, you know, if I was in that area and like if I lived up in the Northeast and I wasn't doing anything on a Saturday night, like maybe I would buy some tickets to a Mets game just for the sake of, you know, seeing that entrance. What would, what would your, like your walkout song be your walk up song as a hitter? I know that they're, Kind of different. What would your song be? Because I have mine in my, I have mine in my head, and I'm going to play it. it. Be uh, ACDC. Are you ready? And why? What like? Uh, it's just, it's a pregame song for me, so it okay. gets me. It, so I mean, it gets me in that in that mo- in that mode. So that's that's like you, you have you been rocking with that like since LSU for a while. Okay. My song that I chose is not a song that I listen to regularly, but as soon as I think I saw it was like a reel or a TikTok or something, and it was like, what would your, you know, it was following following Edwin Diaz's viral video, what would your walkout song be? And somebody stitched it with whatever theirs was. And I, I knew as soon as I, I heard that question, what mine would be, and I'm going to play it for you right now. Mama, I'm in fear for my life from the long arm of the law. Lawman is putting into my running, and I'm so far from my home. Oh, Mama, I can hear you are crying. You're so scared and all alone. 
is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. I mean, if you hear that as if you hear that as Jonathan Papelbon is leaving the bullpen in Fenway Park in 2007 as a batter coming in in the bottom of the ninth, you're down a run. You're already out. Like you the like the first two pitches are by you before you even know where you're standing in the batter's box. Um, forgive me one second. I'm just looking to see if you guys play. You guys play Pittsburgh at home this year. Yes, and I know that that is the Heinz Field. Is yes. that their like first quarter or fourth? No, quarter? that's like their fourth quarter. Fourth left quarter out going. Okay. We're down by a touchdown. Yeah, you know it's third yep. down or yep. whatever. And um, I vividly remember three years ago in 2019, uh, we played there on Sunday night football, and they play. They, I think, I think we were. I thought pretty, we were definitely winning at the time, but they played it in like maybe it was a late third quarter, early fourth quarter. I can't remember. It was like coming out of a timeout, first play. We were like maybe around midfield, minus forty. First play, Josh. 40 yards seam down to John Brown and the crowd just goes silent and it was fantastic. I mean, all we did all week was listen to that song. Yeah. All week. So, really so I mean, everybody in the was totally sick of it. It didn't phase anyone. I mean, Matt Barkley, yeah. famous video of him swirling the, uh, like the cold weather jacket. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I've seen that clip. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, was that awesome. was burning Renegade when they played it in the stadium. He was waving. That was that was when yeah. that happened. So um, anyway, yeah, great uh, Edwin Diaz, fantastic video. Want to get into a couple, you know, some things that happened. I was going to say while we were gone, but uh, since the last time we recorded, it seems like it's been so long. It feels like it's been a long time. Training uh, camp season been, is like. Yeah the longest days and the longest weeks. So it feels like we've been on a two week burner here, Yeah, but it's been, it's been six days since we recorded. We had a awesome turnout at our return of the blue and red scrimmage in the stadium last Friday. That was fantastic. I think there was uh, close to 40,000 people there. 37 or 38, I think was the official number which is bananas. I mean, the whole lower bowl was just about full plus some people in the upper decks scattered around. I mean, it was, it was great. Mark it down, mark it down right now. Bills cannot fill Highmark stadium. They want to run with. Uh, they we'll see are you guys down what happens. Fairly fitting, full, filling out the lower bowl. That's and right. Is, is there trouble in paradise? We, well, I don't – I mean, don't dig yourself a hole, Mr. Attendance, okay? I think they were giving away free tickets down there during the – Hey, man, but you set the precedent. You set the precedent at a full stadium. That's what that's what the people want. They sold 70,000 tickets. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, but also, in the meantime, you guys uh, have traveled north yes, to like- – Tampa Bay for a yeah. joint practice. Today was your yeah. first practice. Is that correct? Today was practice one of two. Okay. Uh, we're Are recording fans this. And the loud. Yeah. Today was practice one of two. 
this is Wednesday that we're recording this, uh, August the 10th. And yeah, we had, there were fans out there. I think it's like season pass holder week or something. Oh, okay. There so there were Dolphins fans there? There was like one guy in a Dolphins jersey and he like yelled at me as I was walking by. He was like, sup, Blake? And I just like gave him a wave and he was like, yes. <laughs> Uh, but no, there's not a ton of there's not a ton of Dolphins fans. We are allowed to like if like a lot of guys, wives and families came up uh, because it's so close. So like we have the ability to get like family and friends in to practice. But the for like Bucks fans, it is just or fans in general, it is just like season ticket holder entry for the for these two practices or maybe. Tomorrow's practice or whatever, but they're they don't have a ton of fans at practice anyway. Like it's it's probably a fourth of what we have at our practices. It's it's definitely not like twenty five like people. It's like man, you heard those videos of our first practice. It was I couldn't even hear the guy next to me. I don't want to hear that. But yeah, so there. I mean, there were some fans, but it wasn't. It definitely wasn't like rowdy. Joint practices are interesting to me. I feel like with preseason being such a time for young guys to get reps and like make the team that this, these practices are the opportunities for the vets to get, you know, used to going against other guys from around the league, like top guys around the league. Like you had, you know, Tyreek Hill out there going one-on-one against their top corner. You got Tom Brady and Tua both taking the field for for two-minute drill at the end of practice. Like those are the reps that you can't replicate in a preseason game because sure. you've got, you know, mostly rookies on the field. It's hard to It's hard to get those kind of reps in a preseason game. I think there's a place for it. It's kind of tough to navigate in my opinion. I, I don't know – how you feel about joint practices, but it's, it's kind of tough to navigate tempo wise. Sometimes like, you know, guys get frustrated and like you've seen in the classic D'Angelo Hall, DeAndre Hopkins video, like it gets a little chippy out at practice. I think they're fun. I mean, it's always good seeing like LSU guys on the field, you know, catching up with them at practice. Yeah. I mean, we, we, we went to Carolina a couple of years ago, I mean, it, it was fun. We were down there for four or five days, I believe. I think we did. Yeah. Pretty sure we did three days of practice and then an off day before the um, gotcha. before the before game day. It was fine. I mean, um, I don't know. I'm indifferent yeah. on it. I think, uh, I mean, I did a few years of, of normal training camp before we did the uh, – before we went to Carolina, and I didn't yeah. – I mean, it was – yeah, Meh. my my rookie year was COVID, and so we didn't have we we oh. weren't able to do joint practices. Uh, we had basically six weeks of training camp with no preseason games, and then last year we had the first two weeks of preseason. Pr- first two preseason games, we we had joint practices both weeks. First one being with Chicago in Chicago for five days. And the second one being at home versus Atlanta, I think it's good to get to get reps against guys that you you know you're not seeing every day. There's different techniques that 
guys are working with around the league and, you know, on both sides of the ball. So I think that that's healthy for the guys to, um, to get those, to get those reps because, you know, you go against guys for two weeks in practice. Number one, you start getting chippy with your own teammates because you're tired of hitting the same people over and over and over. Um, that it's good to it's good to see some other colors and and yeah. uh, other color you know jerseys and and hit other people. In that way, I, I think that it is super productive. Staying on the joint practice deal, I know in a lot of recent years, and I'm bringing up hard knocks because that's the next thing I want to bring up. Did you see normally on hard knocks? They normally do a joint practice. Yeah. Um, so obviously it's very popular across the league. Did you see – are you a Hard Knocks fan? Historically, no. There were a couple years in college where I would watch it. They would act, They actually used to upload it to our iPads when we were at LSU. They would upload the episodes each week, each Tuesday, right. as they came out to for each episode of Hard Knocks and – I would watch it when I, you know, didn't have anything else to do. And, but now I don't, I don't really watch it. I, I see clips here and there, but I don't like go out of my way to watch the, the yeah. full length episodes. I haven't openly, you know, you and I don't really openly talk about it much, but like, I don't really like go out of my way to watch football. Like when I'm not at football, specifically hard knocks, because it's like, an hour of like what I just did for 12 hours today. <laughs> it's like watching your full-time job when you go home, you know, and we're just turning, turning life or work back on TV. So I don't like go out of my way to, to do that. But I mean, the clips are, are awesome. I, you know, I've been seeing the promos the last couple of days of the, of the episode that came out yesterday. So I'm the opposite. You can't uh, wait. You were a hashtag. Well, I, football guy i usually did I, I i don't watch that late i will be watching the episode whenever i get some time i saw the the video everybody was making a lot of uh hooting and everybody was hooting and hollering Ooh. as they say uh about um dan campbell and i think uh jamal williams is his name the running back yep uh, he's got a couple clips a co- they put out a couple teasers of him and then obviously was he the uh, one that was breaking down the yes. team at the end of practice? Yes. Very passionate. Like, tearing up. Yeah, I saw that. That was love that. that. Was love great, it, man. I have not broken down the Dolphins yet. I, I I would love to break down the team at the end of practice at some point. But I did quite a bit at LSU. And it's a it's a weird thing to like break down the team at the end of practice, specifically in the league, because guys kind of feel like they have to say something at the end of the practice, especially if it's not like a great practice for the guys. So like, that's an intimidating thing and it can be kind of awkward. Guys don't really know what to say. They're kind of caught off guard when they're called to, to break down the team, but like he crushed it. He either, he had that like ready to go or that just like came out. It's either way. It's hard to come from the heart, like off the rip, like that. Yeah. Um, Especially in in being vulnerable. uh, We can retweet the video from the podcast account, but being uh, vulnerable, you know, in front of all these dudes that you spend so much time with um, is not is not uh, very easy. Not in a sport where you're expected to be ten feet tall and bulletproof all the time. Exactly. You know, and and guys. You're walking out onto the field with guys who feel the same way. Like it's, 
it's a it is a very manly grunt gritty sport yes showing tears streaming down your face is not like what you want to like that's not what you want to do at the end of a practice but like that's real and guys appreciate that and obviously last night the big tease uh that came out was aiden hutchinson uh rookie song uh did you see the clip yeah oh yeah it's class. That was, that was the talk of the that was the talk of the team at breakfast this morning. Probably the best clip I've seen of a rookie having to do his little initiation deal. So I'm I'm excited to watch that. They hard knocks. I think they do a great job. Yeah, I do. Uh, I think they do too. The the storytelling, I think, it is probably ninety percent of the show. Because you can look up and see who won the games. Yeah, you can look up and see. You know who the superstar players are and okay, these guys are probably going to get followed around, but there's always like a couple fringe guys that they follow yeah. around, follow their stories. And I do, I think that's the coolest part because like yeah. those guys are the guys that I like being on special teams and being a captain for a few years. Like those guys are the ones that, that I'm talking to on a daily basis. Like the guys that are trying to earn a spot, on special teams, yeah. they can make the team, and hopefully, you know they're a they're a third string tight end or third string linebacker, or DN or what you know whatever right. position you yeah. are, and you're trying to you know nick every rep that you can get, and I ju- I feel for those guys like that's that's uh, yeah. that, I feel for those guys, and that's like those are the stories I like hearing is those guys uh, yeah is the guy like that success story like yeah superstars. That's one thing. Like you're drafted in the first round, like that's great. It's fantastic. You were a baller in college. Like I understand the 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 undrafted guy going. At, I guess because I'm undrafted, I'm partial to that. But I like taking the undrafted route and making it through special teams. Something that I'm extremely passionate about. That's what I enjoy. Yeah, watching on Hard Knocks. So like every yeah. year, they have at least one of those fringe guys that usually end up making the team in some capacity. So yeah, uh, we need to, we need to, uh, we need to have Alec Engel come on the pod. He's one of my teammates. Now he was in, he was in Vegas and Oakland before that. And, and when hard knocks was had the Raiders, he uh, was telling me about being one of those fringe guys. And they were actually Mm. like following him around. They told us, told a story. Then he was like starting to make some plays in practice. Things were going well. And then he all of a sudden like wasn't a fringe guy. And then like hard knocks, like stopped following him around. And they just like realized that he was going to make the team and he wasn't going to be like the, the sob story that like ends up getting cut at the end of training camp. And so they just like went on to the next guy and they started like hovering around the night. So we need to, we need to get him on to like share some, some of the yeah, like stories awesome. about what that's like, because you yeah. and I don't, you know, we have like social media teams around a lot, but that's very strategically put out like Definitely. content, you know, it's all run through the, the highest of the highest ups in the organization. So that's like, you know, there's no, you know, there's no bad content that's going to be put out. Definitely. It's not that way on hard knocks. Like it is raw training yeah. camp. 
It is raw emotion in meetings, in the locker room, on the field. And it's, I mean, it's, it's great. I think they do a great job with it. And so I think that that, I think that having him on would be, would be phenomenal. But yeah, uh, that that Billy Jean video of Aiden Hutchinson singing was amazing. Like had the team jumping. What was your, did you have like a rookie initiation? Did you have to sing or? I was, um, I, I was, uh, a DD one night. Okay. Um, after but like, did the team like make one. you get up in front of the, did we did like a rookie skit, um, at training camp my, my first year. And that was actually like the last year that rookies did a skit after, uh, the coaching change. Uh, guy, I don't know. Guy, I think, I think the offense and defense like do their own thing in their team yeah. room. So I had, it was my rookie year was so weird because normally, you know, like this Aiden Hutchinson video, like we have had guys, you know, going doing rookie jokes and they got to sing or whatever that goes through kind of OTAs and then into training camp. They made me like sing a song, but it was like on Zoom and it was like super weird. And I was like in this was at your house in Atlanta, like before I even moved to before I even moved to Miami. So it was like not the same like it. Yeah, I I was singing to my webcam like it was just not I sang um, Lean on Me by Bill Withers. Like I, I, I picked that song because. It was a song that I knew was within my range. I wasn't going to like – my voice wasn't going to crack while I was singing it. And then also it wasn't a song that I was – I like I can't forget the lyrics to that song. I, like there's like two lines and you just sing it over and over. That was it. And it was just – it was just different. It was not – like you're not sitting in a team meeting room full of, you know, these macho men that are looking down at you and right. you're super intimidated. Yeah, it wasn't. It was. Yeah. Staying on the the NFL deal. Most of what we're going to cover this episode is NFL. I know you covered that in the intro, but the Broncos, I'm a sucker for some sports business stuff. The Broncos were just sold to the family that owns and runs Walmarts across the country. The Waltons. Walton family out of Arkansas. They sold for four point six five Billion with a B. It's a lot billion of dollars. Billion with a B. Um, highest purchase price for a U.S.-based sports team. I, I I recently saw it. I'm gonna have to go back and check my notes, but I think uh, the Cowboys are valued at somewhere around five billion. I was surprised when I saw that when I saw that purchase price. I don't know if they if the Bronco like the previous owners were like they'll never buy it for this and yeah. they're like, Okay, like where do we sign? You know, like they just met the asking price. I'm sure that's not how it happened, but what happened with I and I'm not I could be this could be like super like ignorant of me. Did they did the the, the owner Die? Did the owner like just not no, I think the they, team anymore? Were they no, forced they, to sell? What happened? No, I'm I, I'm looking it up right now because I don't really like I don't really follow NFL news. I know that comes as a shock given what I said earlier. I don't really follow NFL news like super closely, so I didn't really 
know why I just saw that they had been sold, but I did see that um, the Walton family is worth like $60 billion, which is just bonkers to think about. And that like a lot of times when, uh, when people buy sports teams, they are not buying a sports team to like make a whole bunch of money. Like they right. it obviously is very lucrative for them. And they, you know, it's a, it's an investment and they're, they're making a lot of money, but the, the, that's not how they're, you know, creating generational wealth. They're doing that with other ventures. They either got their money in oil like Jerry Jones did or Walton with Walmart or whatever it is. What's his name in uh, for the Clippers Balmer, Steve Balmer. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was Microsoft, I think, but like these sports teams are like the, that's like the crown jewel of their portfolio. Like that's, it's not right. the re- it's not the reason that they're you know going to have a gazillion dollars for their generations to to live, but it's something that is going to you know leave a lasting legacy in their family, and that's I'm sure why the Waltons are are getting into it. No doubt. So I just pulled up the top one through thirty two values of NFL teams. So the Cowboys, I was wrong. What I saw must have been outdated. But it was an article that popped up when they like six billion now, seven point six. Okay, and the Rams are a shade under six billion. So the Cowboys are one point seven billion more valuable than the next closest team, which is hard to believe. But the Broncos price four point six five billion makes uh, makes them number ten, the tenth most valuable team at four point six five. Wow. That's wild. I would, I think, I think it'd be really cool to see what the like team values, like a, like a graphic, like a moving graphic on a, on an axis of like all 32 teams over the last, you know, 40 years and the, the values of like which ones have stayed at the top and which ones have shot up recently because I think the, there's no way that the Rams have always been the number two valued team. Like, no, well, there has to be a result of them moving to LA, correct? Them winning the Super Bowl, new stadium, new stadium, like all of the things moving in the right direction for the team. There's no way that when they were in St. Louis that they were valued that highly. The across um, the league, the Patriots are the same way. Yeah, I mean that you know, 30 years ago they were probably in the bottom third. Yeah, but now they're number three at just a shade under six at five point eight eight. They're almost the second most valuable team. Six Super Bowls or however many yeah. Super Bowls That'll plus Super Bowl yeah. appearances. You have you know have a um, nice stadium. You know you've got one of the best quarterbacks ever that played for your team for twenty something years. Yeah. I mean that you know that obviously helps. But um, yeah, I mean some of the some of these uh, teams are. I'm pretty surprised to see near the top the Jets. Given, I guess, lack of recent success, they're number seven, uh, but they're a big market. Uh, Washington's number eight, which is a little surprising to me. Houston is number eleven, which is which which, which kind of caught my eye. But Miami comes in at sixteen, uh, right in the middle of the pack, four point oh six, and uh, the Bills are at twenty nine, uh, shade you. under shade under three billion. And I think that'll change 
with the new stadium. Uh, but I think that's probably just a result of the media market. Um, the, just given the size of Buffalo as a, as a city, I would assume. What's the number 32 ranked valued team? Can you guess? I'll give you three guesses. Small market. Jacksonville? They're number 30. You guys played them last year, I think. I think you played them at home. They have a few LSU representatives. A few. It's not Cincinnati. Yes, it is. They were, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And that, and they, that came, that one was one of them that came into my mind. We played them in the preseason away last year. We played them at home two years ago. Gotcha. Uh, which That's is probably, right. probably what you're thinking of. But yeah, Cincinnati They're is not surprising. Detroit. It's also not surprising given, and I'm, you know, this isn't, we're not here to bash a, a team or anything like that, but they're historically known for being, a, a cheaper, you know, team and, and just not, yeah, uh, 100% invested in, you know, the, the get it going out and getting the biggest free agents and, and the huge mega signings. Like that's just not the mentality that they have towards yep. the team. They did uh, just get a different new from, sponsor. So that might up the value a little new, bit. New stadium sponsor. They're building a, they're finally building an indoor facility. That's been something that has steered a lot of, I know a lot of free agents away from there for a while. Yep. Um, Cause when you go to Cincinnati, like it's not always great weather. Um, and you know, you practice every single day pretty much during the season. So that's a lot of days where you could potentially have bad weather. We um, play down there uh second to last game of the season. Yeah. So Monday night football. Yeah, we're we're Thursday night football in Cincy, uh, like week four, I think. So thirty is Jacksonville, thirty one is gonna be Detroit, and then thirty two is Cincy. Dallas Cowboys, man, they just market. Yeah, they just just rake in the money. America's team, right? Crazy. Yep. So I know that we don't, and this is kind of the last NFL related topic. And I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting when I saw the, I guess it was a couple of people talking about it. I think it was trending on Twitter one day. So Tom Brady, obviously a noted crypto guy. Yep. And I'm not going to sit here and act like I am extremely knowledgeable about crypto. I have talked to Bitcoin Barkley a few times about that dude is like full on in the yeah, he's in it. But Tom Brady obviously did a lot of advertisements last season on NFL games for yeah. I think it was FTX. I think he may have been an investor or they're sponsoring him one way or the other. He was financially involved with FTX, did a, a ton. I felt like every game there was, a, I mean, even in the dang Super Bowl, there was, a, or, or maybe it was their, their NFC championship game or something. They were showing commercial, excuse me, commercials with him uh, in it. So I just thought that, you know, that's an interesting thing of note. But so talking about NFTs, apparently he bought an NFT for, I want to say it was like almost $400,000, maybe 360 or 380 or something like that. I, I, I saw it yesterday. I should have linked the article. 
Um, but he bought this NFT for somewhere between three and $400,000. And it was a NFT from the Bay Area Yacht Club. Or, no, sorry. Boring Ape Yacht Club. Definitely not Bay Area. Bay Area. Board, board, Ape, board Yacht Ape Club. I don't know. I, I put B-A-Y-C in my yeah. notes. Uh, Bay Area came yeah. to mind. Board Ape Yacht Club, which which gained a ton of steam. There was is it. all sorts of chatter. Yes, um, Blake has shown on the YouTube uh, a picture of it on his phone. Um, so that uh, that was an NFT from the Board Ape Yacht Club that Tom Brady purchased. And I believe the the only thing that I've seen about the Board Ape Yacht Club NFTs are they get you some kind of special access to i guess a, this yacht club maybe um i'm not really sure i haven't done a ton of research into those specific nfts and what they what kind of access they give you but with the whole economy uh in the situation that it that it's in crypto has basically been crashing for a few months now yeah and I just think that it's interesting. Uh, uh, Tom Brady is down 68% on this NFT. I think it's, it's somewhere in the region of, I, I think what I saw was he, somebody offered to buy it off of him for $136,000. There you go. Yeah. You're looking at it right now. Yeah. Which basically, can you see the purchase price on there? Yeah. 430K. 430. Okay. So I was on. Well, he bought it for. It's the equivalent is 430k. He bought it for 133 Ethereum, which is Ethereum. a crypto. It's a crypto coin. Correct. So uh, somebody offered him basically a quarter of maybe a third of what it what it's actually worth, which is astonishing. I remember when crypto was first coming on the scene, like in 2017. And everybody started jumping into Bitcoin and it was like in the single digits. Yep. And, you know, it's slowly, slowly, slowly been, you know, booming. And obviously last year, a ton of people made money off of it. But now Bitcoin is down from its high of 68,000 to 23,000. Yeah. And I just feel for all those people out there that were, I want to make sure I phrase this right, just people that jumped in without doing the proper research yeah. and knowing what they're getting themselves into. And they potentially have lost a lot of money. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't really know. It's like in my mind, it's different than the stock market. Like I'd rather put my money in something that I know historically gains yeah. over the long run. If you look at, you know, any 10 year period, the S and P 500 has never gone down. So it's like, th- like different things like that. Like, the crypto market, like to, he's got more money than he knows what to do with, right? Yep. T- t- speaking on Tom Brady, it's like pulling the trigger on four hundred thousand dollars for an NFT, and I understand he's invested in the company and whatever. Holy cow, that's a lot of money to put into yeah. something that you don't know. It, you could wake up the next day and it could be worth nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that's where, that's where the crypto world 
and sort of NFTs in tandem are struggling right now. Inflation is high, and this is not an economics podcast, but inflation's high. Things are more expensive. It is harder to make a, a dollar bill go farther in 2022 than it was in 2021. And as a result of that, there is a lot less frivolous spending on things like NFTs. There's a lot less people investing their money into Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these coins that don't have what they call, I I had dinner with Matt Barkley in Miami and a couple other guys who are heavily invested in the crypto world. And I got to know a little bit about it. It's for it to have lasting value. It has to have quote sovereignty, which means it has to be widely accepted as a form of currency. Right. And you have to be able to use it to do things. And until you can do that, it is just art. Right. It is just, you know, something that you're praying that, a lot of people will adopt, but there's not actually any, you know, usable function to this. There's no utility to this Bitcoin or whatever coin that you want to buy. And the same goes with NFTs. Like less people are buying NFTs because they can't make, you know, they can't make their electricity payments and they can't make, you know, they can't buy gas. Now it's, it's, you know, it's a t- completely different market of people who are buying $430,000 NFTs, but not every NFT is worth $430,000. People are getting into that market for a lot less, praying that their NFT will boost in value and they'll be able to sell it off at some point and make a whole lot of money off of it, just like any other form of art. I feel a lot more educated on the on the topic than I did when we talked about it this time last year and it was, you know, becoming a thing. We talked about the Oakland A's, you know, mm. accepting Bitcoin, you know, for two tickets to the game or whatever. But Dogecoin, like I think Yeah. Maybe it was Dogecoin, whatever it was. I'm just saying it was crypto. I think it was yeah. Doge. And and so but like at the time I straight up said like I don't think that this is a I don't think that this is sustainable. I don't think that specifically the NFT thing, I don't think that it is a good way of investing your money because I don't think it's sustainable. And I still feel the same way. Will that change as more people continue to adopt it? Maybe, but for now, as the, as the economy goes up and down and there's, there's volatility in, in the market, I'm I'm with you, dude. I'm going to invest in real estate. I'm going to invest in the stock market. I'm going to invest in things that over the last 100 years are proven to make money. And Bitcoin has not even been around for 10, I don't think. I don't know when it was created. Maybe it's been around for 20, but... I think 20, um, but recently more. But not enough to to make it make sense on a worldwide scale. Also... um, Crypto is largely unregulated, which I think it deters a ton of people from even touching it. Last thing, best thing. Last thing. Maybe not not best thing. Definitely, definitely highlight of the week. I caught one match. It was the first match. It was the Arsenal 
Crystal Palace match only because Jason Sanders, my kicker, is an Arsenal fan. Oh, okay. Very casual Arsenal fan, not a diehard. Uh, but he texted me about it, and I was like, Wilfred Zaha is going to have a brace just because I like talking smack to Jason. And Arsenal beat Crystal Palace pretty good. But opening weekend in the Premier League, like it's back. It is back. And I love the Premier League because it goes seemingly year round. And then there's like a two month break. And you're like, oh, look, the Premier League's back. Yeah. 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 Baseball's on. And then it's like, oh, look, uh, Premier League's back. It's not like you have to wait like six months for soccer to to come back. It's, it is a very, very quick off season filled in by a lot of international friendlies and all kinds of other stuff happening that make it seem halfway bearable. But Chelsea and the boys are back. They're back. They're back. I don't know. I don't know what to expect this year, but I will tell you, I am fired up about Raheem Sterling. I loved him at Man City and I love him in a darker shade of blue. It was super fun to watch. I mean, I, I watched Chelsea Saturday. We were uh, in the middle of like meetings or practice, which hurt a lot. Too. Yep. We had the scrimmage Friday, which meant we were off Saturday. So I caught, uh, I, I, I caught a full morning, um, of games on Saturday and tried to just watch as, mu- as much as I could. It was fantastic. Chelsea, obviously a great win to start and Erling Holland. New striker for Man City, uh, Grace, on Sunday against West Ham. I think he's going to break the scoring record his first year in the league. I think so. I think so. I think 30 is 33. Yeah. By who? I want to say a couple years ago, most goals in a season, 34. That's what I was looking for. I'm getting every stat. Excuse me. That is, uh, that's when it was 42 games. Uh, once it went to 38 games, Mo Salah, that's what I thought, in 2017-2018, broke the record. He uh, holds it at 32 games, Th- 32 goals in 38 games. He broke the record five seasons ago. So that's why that's, I knew my mind, my, my, uh, my mind was not tricking me. 33 would be the record. I think that is how many. Erling Holland will score this season. So as much as me to say that probably means that City will win the title, but I do think he will break the scoring record. Most Premier League goals in a debut season. Oh my goodness. Is this a player that I know? No. This is a player from Sunderland in the nineteen ninety nine and two thousand season. Oh my goodness. I'm just asking you to guess the number. Twenty two. Thirty. By Kevin wow. Phillips. Kevin Phillips. Okay. Yep. All right. 30 by Kevin Phillips. And the most Premier League goals in a calendar year, 39 by Harry Kane in 2017. So He scored – I think that was the year he scored, I want to say, four or five goals in the last game of the season. Yes. He was on say, fire. He, he, they played Leicester yeah. City at home, and he scored like four goals and maybe had an assist. That's crazy that I know that, but yeah. um, I play fantasy soccer, so I was probably watching. Anyway, yeah, Premier League's back. It's and, gonna be it's uh, gonna be a great yeah. season. It's gonna be a great year. 
Chelsea's off to Chelsea's got three points in the bag. Three points in the bag. Uh, don't think even in the Champions League as of right now, based on goal differential, there are lots of teams that are not that good currently sitting at the top of the table after one game. World Cup in a couple months. Take a deep breath. Uh, AFC Burnmouth will probably not stay there. Hopefully <laughs> not. Chelsea Tottenham, 11.30 a.m. on Sunday. Can't wait to watch. It'll be fun. It'll be so much play, fun. We play Saturday, so I'll, I'll, so I'll, I'll likely be watching that game. All right. Here we go. It's a great year. Great year to be a Chelsea fan. That is a wrap and a half on wrap this week's episode of After the Snap. Thank you for joining us, as always. Yes. Uh, follow us on social media, at After the Snap Pod, on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. Give us a subscription on all of the content channels, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us, subscribe there. That is how we grow. We will see you next week. This has been After the Snap, tales from two brothers who live life upside down.